Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Have you ever wondered how to make realistic goals that you can achieve? Maybe a goal guru could help. After making her own career pivot, which turned into a career identity crisis, Meg Wagner launched her coaching and consulting practice, The Goal Guru, a firm that helps you define your work, align your life, and design your future. While there is a strong emphasis on outcomes and setting goals, Meg stresses the essential element of paying attention to your feelings of what you want to achieve. You should gain clarity around your goals and the process of how to achieve them versus solely the outcome. Specifically, in working with parents, Meg emphasizes that parents need to be kinder to themselves first, that we should start with even smaller goals and ensure we are giving ourselves time to make time for us. And depending upon what stage of life we may be in, developing and categorizing goals by the roles we live, such as career, parent, and personal. Please enjoy my conversation with Meg Wagner. Meg Wagner, welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. I'm really excited to have you on today to talk about your unique specialty of being a uh, goal guru because in the world of lifestyle and financial planning, <laughs> goals rule the world, it seems like. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to have you on and have this conversation. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for being here. Thank you for having me. So I think the best area to start with is just to talk a little bit about your background, who you who you are, and how you um, started the Goal Guru. Sure, sure. So broadly, I am a leadership, lifestyle, and um, team development coach. Um, I go by the Goal Guru. I help people set really big, ambitious goals and create the plans that they use to achieve them. Um, broadly, I got into that because goals were the way I got out of doing shoulds living for the things I should be living for in my life. They were kind of the lifeline that helped me get out of my own, out of my own way, out of my own messes. Um, and they're really the tool that I use to help people gain clarity and, and, you know, bring a sense of intention to their lives. Um, so I goals tend to be something people think of as kind of dry and, and boring or overbearing, which are <laughs> all misconceptions as far as I'm concerned. Um, but for me, I started out as a book editor and, um, as much as I love books and I love publishing, that was a career path, just kind of fraught with shoulds. There was specific steps you had to follow and specific things you had to get done. And I was checking them all off and not getting anywhere. And I was super, super frustrated. And when I had to make that pivot, um, just to be able to make progress, I had to, I had to pivot out of that career. It really brought me an identity crisis that, um, you know, was painful, but gave me a lot of tools to help people, um, help people going through similar transitions, making similar changes. 
making changes to your to your career can often mean making changes to your identity. Um, we kind of conflate our identity and our careers all together. And, and I kind of came away from that experience with just a lot of tools to not just a lot of tools to help manage that transition, but also a real passion for finding and creating them. So uh, one example is my um, my fiance uh, and I met around the time I was having this big transition. <laughs> and uh, one of the tools he actually started, started using with me was um, I could rant about as much as I hated every day. Um, but at the end of the rant, I had to name three things I liked or was grateful for. And I still use that practice kind of to this day. I use it with my clients and I use it with myself. Um, so kind of all of that aside. Um, but basically going through that kind of transition firsthand. Um, and then I landed in a team that was a bunch of people, you know, around me going through similar transitions, similar, they were trying to get raises and title bumps, and they were trying to figure out where their careers were going. And I just kind of was in that space. And, and I had all of these tools for people. And one day I looked around and I was doing more coaching than my actual job. And I was like, it's, it's probably time to make a change. So that, you hit on a really interesting point because I think for many of us, our identities, for better or worse, are really tied up in in our career and what we do. I know that was that was definitely me when I had a corporate career before I started Tama, and now today, like obviously, <laughs> Tama is is my my fifth child, if you will, after my yeah. triplets plus one. Um, so my my identity is is obviously wrapped up in that. And I think it's a lot of, I think it's a reason why a lot of people struggle with, you know, their identities because, you know, who am I? I'm, you know, a, a spouse, a parent potentially, you know, my, my career and trying to, to juggle all that. And you have, you have goals for all, all of those facets, if you will. And those goals, I think, change you know, over time, depending on what life stage you're in. Uh, I know, you know, speaking with, with some people, I, 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 I tell them, we'll make a plan, we'll have these goals, but then life will happen. And I always use the example of, I had, you know, various goals and dreams and aspirations, and then triplets happened. And that, that changed everything. But it didn't, I didn't let that sabotage or, or, or kill all those. It just meant that Okay, that's not the right time, and so now I need to to focus my energy on you know getting reacquainted with life with with triplets before I can you know start taking you know next steps. So is that something that you talk a lot with your the people that you work with as far as timing goes, and and how big of an impact is timing on developing goals? Yeah. So there, you actually brought up a couple of really interesting points that I do talk with my clients a lot about. Um, one, particularly in the era we're living in, I focus really a lot on short-term goals. I actually specialize in 90-day planning. Um, you know, we set, you know, we talk about what are your big life visions. I, you know, I do an exercise where you list out your ideal day and we kind of keep it in the back of your mind. But really, when we get concrete and we start putting stuff to paper, I really focus on three months at a time. And it's just the world is just changing too fast and life is happening. Even 90 days, you won't complete the, the goal that you've, you've put to paper. Um, and that also that leads me to my second point, which is when I set a goal and when I work with clients on setting goals, I actually don't. We don't focus as much on the outcomes. We, we list them, we put them down, but um, I in particular have a practice 
of attaching a feeling to my, to my outcome, um, to the goal. So I want to achieve X, Y, Z thing in order to feel ABC way. Um, and that I find is really important to allowing time, uh, giving yourself the space to pivot as a goal progresses, because as you get into the thick of it, you're going to learn something new, or you're going to have triplets. Um, you know, the thing, the circumstances are going to change, but the feeling you want to elicit isn't. And so when you come to that fork in the road and you're trying to decide between multiple options, as your, your goal has evolved, you now have a feeling to guide you instead of the outcome. And instead of trying to live up to the way things should have been, which is a common thing. I see people, they said, they set a goal and they stick to it because they said they were going to do it. And they end up really unhappy because it's not achieving the feeling they wanted. So you mentioned, and, and I'm a big proponent of that because I, when a lot of the times working with families, we're looking at, you know, really long-term goals, like retirement, obviously planning for college, but it's the little things, the, the, the small steps, the process, if you will, along the way that gets them from, you know, starting saving today to having a million dollars in the bank um, in 30 years, or, you know, you know, having enough to pay for, you know, a, a child's education, you know, 14 years down the road. And so th- there's a, talk to us about how you really get people to focus on that process in that short term, because I think we can all be distracted by the bigger term or the big picture. And that, to your point, that picture is always evolving. Like I tell clients, like when we put together our initial plan, I could, I can, I tell them, I guarantee there's not many things I can guarantee as a, as a, as a financial advisor, but I can guarantee you this. It's either in six, 12, 18, 24 months, whatever it may be, this plan is not going to be right. You know, things are going to change in your life. A job's going to happen. Um, you know, babies are going to, you know, happen. You know, life will happen and it will throw things off and, and you'll want to change. You don't, you'll want to pivot. Yeah. So for me, the clarity of goals, like I said, isn't about, the outcomes so much as the way you want to feel and the way you want to be in the world. And so for me, there's a couple of spaces I focus on um, with my clients and helping them drill down on how to have a more short-term, short-term focus and kind of get into some of the nitty-gritty, even of these really overwhelming goals. One of them is simply to budget time. Uh, goal planning is its own goal. It's its own habit. Um, starting kind of small with them, leaving time. You know, I really work hard to leave time at the end of each month to look forward to the next month. I actually only just finished my September plan as of about 9.30 this morning. Um, but I like to revise them because September is the end of my my summer quarter. Um, and my 90-day goals are wildly different than they were when I set them in, at the beginning of July. Um, but really budgeting time making, you know, a day or two to, to, to look at your month ahead at the end of the month is really great. Making 30 minutes at the beginning of the week to think, how do I want to feel this week? Um, really, really important. Do you have a way to encourage people to do that? Because I Mm -hmm. I find that that's one of the challenges and difficulties is getting people to just slow down enough to think about what they want to do, whether it's you know a big goal or small goal, long term, short term, I don't think people give themselves the really the gift of yeah. time to slow down and really think about what it is that they want to do. 
I actually, almost all of my programming is dedicated to carving that time out for people. I run a Monday morning workshop called Monday's Motivation, which is 30 minutes to plan your week. I run a quarterly workshop, which is to help people plan their their 90-day plans. Um, Really, that's what all of my programming is around. So that tends to be how I encourage my clients to do it. I'm like, oh, hey, you're a client. You can come to this thing. And I make it bonuses. Um, When it's just kind of me, um, I tend to think of it it's some of it's just mentality and some of it's just building a habit, right? So um, giving yourself time is a foundational habit along the lines of sleep. Um, And I tend to think of sleep and space as my two most necessary, um, necessary foundational elements of being able to stay sane and balanced. Um, But I would say if you're, you know, just start small, it doesn't have to be a whole day Um, really just, and that's, how every goal kind of starts is thinking, what are your next best steps? What are your smallest steps that you can take? So even if you don't come to a workshop or sign up for something, you know, what are, what's something you can do five minutes on Monday morning? What's something you can do five minutes before in five minute increments, just to think through like, how do I want to feel today? Or what is really the most important thing for me today? Um, budgeting five or 10 minutes in a day really can make a much bigger difference than, you know, putting aside a whole day once a month or putting aside a week once a quarter, um, just small increments and really being gentle with yourself if you miss things. So I'm, so you, you probably have mentioned the word habits multiple times <laughs> now during a conversation. So I'm going to go on a limb and say, you're, you're probably a big, uh, James Clear fan, <laughs> Atomic Habits. <laughs> yeah. I actually prefer Gretchen Rubin, although I did love Atomic Habits, but, um, uh, Gretchen Rubin actually has a, and anybody who knows me knows I talk about this almost ad nauseum, but she has a framework called the four tendencies, which I really love because it's a method of building habits based on your personality rather than, and, and just the tendencies you have in your life, the, the way you're most likely to behave. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole framework here, but I love the individualism of it. And I love the fact that it's tailored to who you are instead of trying to make people fit into particular boxes of, of like, you need to do this, or this is how you build a habit. Um, so much as like attaching what is significant to you to that habit. We'll, we'll, I will definitely link to, to some of that information in the show notes. When, when you're having these, these workshops, are they individual or are they a group of people? I run workshops for groups. Um, I do one-on-one coaching, but I also do group workshops and team facilitation for, for corporate teams um, to help them kind of set their, their goals as well. Um, but I like working with groups of people. Um, my Monday workshops are generally pretty much just open to anybody who wants to come by. So sometimes it'll be friends and sometimes it'll be, you know, just people who found the workshop and kind of signed up for it. So walk us through a little bit more in detail, like what that Monday motivational workshop is, is like, like somebody shows up, like what, what should they expect or what, it, what's yeah. it like? Yeah, absolutely. So ahead of the workshop, you get a little worksheet just to kind of prepare and kind of guide you through the workshop. Um, like I said, it's only 30 minutes. So we start off with taking a look uh, at the week before, how we felt about last week, what we what we learned, and and just a quick little reflection on the, the last week, and a quick look ahead at what we're excited for uh, in the week to come. And then, really, it's it's just giving people five minutes to sit down and think through 
brain dump all of the things in their head that they have to do. And that five minutes is the core of the, in, the entire workshop. I take you through organizing it and the steps that I go, but truly, if you were just going to do something for yourself, give yourself five minutes on Monday to put everything out and get it all on paper or get it all on your productivity app or get it, you know, wherever you keep it. Um, and then the last part of the workshop is me helping categorize it. Um, I break, I, uh, guide people through taking their to-do lists and categorizing them into five buckets. Um, yeah, categorize them into five buckets and then creating five outcomes based on that. So that you have something that's, that's along the lines of, for me, a frequent one is, you know, taking care of myself, my home and my dog. Um, you know, and that's just the outcome is just taking care of those things. They get kind of a goal bucket for me. Um, and then we let go of five things for the week and then we add something in for ourselves. Um, and then we set feeling intentions for the week to come. So it's pretty structured. There's usually a picture of my dog because he comes up a lot and he's really easy to take pictures of. So you just mentioned the, um, intentional feelings. Is that Mm -hmm. like, setting, setting an intention for the feelings you want for the week. So how do you want this week to feel? Um, what are some ways you want to grow this week? What are some things you want to stop doing this week? Um, you know, for me, a lot of times it's like, I want to let go a little bit, or I want to, I want to be focused. Um, you know, what is the, what is the feeling you're looking to bring into your week? So when, when somebody shows up at your doorstep, I'm assuming they may feel like overwhelmed or, or stressed. Mm-hmm. You, what are, what are the, you know, two, three things that you focus on that helps, you know, people realize how you're there to help them? Sure. So the biggest thing we focus on is how to put some of the things overwhelming them off to the side for a little bit. And that tends to be one of the biggest challenges of goal setting Um, for individuals or teams. People want to work on everything all the time and be perfect at everything all the time. (laughs) And so helping people say no to some work or put some work on, on the sidelines for a little while is really one of the most important things that I do in working with individuals or teams. Um, you know, that's part of the reason I work on 90 day plans, because you can say no to anything for three months. It's a big enough project. You can get to it in three months. That's fine. Um, so one of the exercises we'll often go through is, uh, particularly if you have a big overwhelming goal, we'll think through to that goal being done. The goal is all set and done. What does the ideal state look like? And we kind of work backwards from there. What are all the things that need to happen to bring that ideal state forward? And then we put all of those those tasks, those projects, all of those things that need to happen in um, my very fancy, I have a tool prioritizer I created in, in, an, in a sheets document. And it basically, you rank how valuable each action is, how urgent each action is, how difficult and uncertain each action is. And that prioritizer gives you a ranking of which ones would be the highest payoff uh, for the least amount of effort, right? So anything with low difficulty, but high value pops to the top of the chart. Um, And it helps you just kind of get out of your own head and stop thinking of all the things you should be doing and seeing which things you can work on that will have the biggest impact. Um, So those tend to be my first, my first kind of starters is like, where do you want to be? What's involved in getting there? And what can we turn our focus to that will have the biggest impact? So it sounds like, yeah, obviously this, the 90 day program is, is kind of in is your wheelhouse. Yeah. So do people just find 
they complete a 90 day and then they, they come on board for another 90 day and just keep, keep that kind of uh, cadence or pace? It definitely depends on the client. Um, some people like to just have someone every week or every other week to bounce ideas off of, and that's fine. Um, with 90 day planning, I find a lot of times um, working with me through a few cycles of the 90 day plans is enough. So I'll go through two or three quarters with, with someone. We'll sit down for our first, we'll set out the 90 day plan, and then we'll meet every other week usually uh, for the 90 days. And then we'll, you know, at the end of that 90 days, go through and plan them again and, and meet again every other week for that. Um, and we'll do that for three quarters, maybe a year. And then folks will sometimes keep keep working with me just on the quarter plans, but maybe not necessarily need me for accountability or vice versa. They feel pretty good about the 90 day planning and they just want to meet with me for, for accountability and to check in and to have somebody to help them pivot as the plan changes. So actually, I'm glad you brought that up. So kind of along those lines, one of the, the challenges that I think a lot of us face is, okay, we can have all this down on even on paper, mm-hmm. obviously it's better to have it on paper than on, in our heads, but we know that we need to take action. But for a lot of us, it's easier to just to complain or talk about the situation than to actually do the work or take the action. Mm-hmm. How do you insert yourself to help the people that you work with do just that, take action? So a big part of working with me is that if you don't take action. We're really not going to get much done together. And that's fine. You're the one paying for working with me. (laughs) Like that's, I I don't know if that's just the real big sister energy in me, but I learned really a long time ago that I can't control how other people act. Um, I'm even, even my clients. And as much as I want to be helpful, sometimes just the act of me being there and having to to meet with me face-to-face means that people will do more than they would have done. Um, it's a little like having your, your training session uh, with your, your personal trainer on the calendar, right? It's just, just having it there means that you're, you're going to fulfill that expectation. But most of the time, my ideal clients are ready to be working and ready to be taking action and they're sick of complaining. So I don't really feel like I have to do a lot with people to help prompt them to get things done so much as helping them facilitate the action they want to take. So a lot of folks will actually, you know, want a new morning routine or they want to make sure they have time for for planning at the beginning of the week. And we strategize on ways they can make that easier for themselves. And um, sometimes my whole first package won't be working with someone on their 90 day plan. It will be just building in the habits they need to actually be taking the actions that they want to and, and kind of adjusting their lives and tweaking it a little bit at a time. So we'll meet every other week and concoct a hypothesis and a, and an experiment for, well, this is hard because of X, Y, Z, what can I do to make that easier? you know, and they'll come up with an idea and we'll, we'll implement it and check back in in two weeks to see how it went. Was it easy, you know, and approach the whole kind of process with curiosity rather than self-judgment. That's a really good point that you made about people need to be ready. Yeah. And, and I was having a, a conversation um, uh, episode, I think it's going to be 43, uh, with Mimi Bishop and uh, Jackie Gadine mm-hmm. about being ready to take action. So with, with the work that you do, people show up for the most part ready to do that work. They, they, they don't, they're tired of beating themselves up. 
Usually, yeah. And some folks have worked with me and decided not to keep working with me either because they feel like they want to do work in their in their on their own path or because they don't want to do the work and they're not happy showing up to tell me they haven't done the work every week. And that tends to not just not kind of be our ideal working situation. By the time someone is coming to work with me, they're ready to make a change. Okay. So a lot of people that listen to, to the our show are our parents. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to juggle like multiple, you know, financial and lifestyle priorities. Mm-hmm. Talk to us or walk us through maybe an example of, you know, a client that you work with that that's in parent or that is a parent in parenthood, um, <laughs> you know, that, are, that, that's, you know, dealing with all these different things is, do you go about that in a different way or are there other ways to, that you focus on helping parents um, deal with everything that they're dealing with? Sure. Well, my first strategy for working with parents is to start encouraging uh, being gentle with yourself early because I find parents are the hardest people on themselves. I'm notoriously bad at that. I would, I would <laughs> definitely check that box. Yeah. People, people with kids tend to be very hard on themselves because you want to be, you want to be the best you can be for your kids. And that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Um, most of my clients with kids feel that pressure on top of the pressure to be perfect at work and on top of the pressure to be, you know, smart, healthy, growing, you know, growing adults who are contributing to society. There are all these visions of perfection we carry around in ourselves. We carry in our heads, all of these different ideals of the different people we, we are and should be. And for parents, I find that component is compounded in part because, they have this, these little beings that they are trying to be good examples for and also make sure get to adulthood alive and stable and, and healthy and growing. And um, that's a lot of pressure. So usually the first thing with parents that I go through is like, okay, how can we be nicer to yourself this week? Um, I also start a little bit smaller with goals. Um, instead of trying to tackle your biggest goals immediately, we really particularly with parents, really drill down on what the schedule is and how you can make time for yourself. Um, That schedule approach works for a lot of clients, but it's particularly important for parents just because none of these things work if you don't have the time to do them and parents are the least likely to have time. Um, So we focus on how can we make small pockets for you? How can we make time for you to breathe? Um, So a lot of my, my parent clients, we start off with just sleep like how does sleep fit into your schedule? That's it. That's the, that's the first goal we work on. It's just, when are you getting to bed? When are you getting up? And when is your quiet time during the day? Um, so that tends to be kind of my biggest first approach. And from there, we start working through the different, the different goals and ideals each person kind of has and carries with them. So I'll work um, again with any client, but particularly with parents to identify what are the personas that are important to you? What are the roles in your life that are really important to you to fulfill? And then maybe once we kind of get up to the point of making a quarterly goal, we'll pick three of them to make a goal for. So your parental role, your self-care role, um, and your role at work or your family role and your role at work and your role caring for yourself or, or some, some kind of mix of the above. And we'll start setting goals that way. And again, it's about building the habit of creating goals and setting intentions. I want to grow as a parent in this way in the next 90 days. 
how can I do that? What are the things that are involved in that? Is it just being more tuned when I'm picking them up from school or is it some other kind of action that I, that I really want to be taking and am not making the time for? Very good. So I know I, I only have you for a finite period of time. And typically I, I ask what the, what the best thing about being a parent is. And I know you're not a parent yet, maybe. Um, so I, I will pivot that question and ask, what is the kindest thing that anyone has done for you? So I'm going to preface this with uh, my fiance is one of the kindest people I know. Um, and he good reason to marry him. <laughs> it is, it is. It's really far up there. And, um, so he's very much, he's very much who came to mind when, when I thought about this question. Um, but, uh, this could be one example of any number of things, but he is a, he is a problem solver. He, he fixes things somehow, no matter how dire or weird things look. And uh, once upon a time, I had a roommate moving in and she had no bed and I was at work all day and we had this complete kerfuffle with like her flight and everything was a complete mess. And I remember he left work in the middle of the day to go get the air mattress we needed to get all of the stuff we needed. He, He gave up his whole day to make sure this thing didn't derail mine. And I, I know that's, just one of many examples of when he's put aside whatever he is working on to come to the rescue for something that completely blindsided me. Well, that, that I think is an incredible way to, to wrap up our conversation. Meg, I really appreciate you being on the, on the show today. And I think that our audience is going to take a lot of, of uh, key tactics away from how to develop goals and especially to focus on the short term rather than the long term. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so, so great. I I hope everyone found something they can take away. Thanks, Meg. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Mm -hmm.